Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Loyal Suns Show. That's at the Loyal Suns on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Yep, we have a TikTok now. Follow us there and follow us here for pit sports content you won't want to miss. If you love spring practice hype videos and hate spring practice hype videos, this is the place for you. The Loyal Suns Show, a safe, sunshiny place for your pit athletics fix, presented by Section 5. I'm here today with my co-host, David and Squid. Of course, I am Dylan, and we're here to finally talk some football again. It's finally. been a while. We uh, The good thing about having a good basketball team is it takes you into March, and you don't have to dissect every single spring practice video that you see, but that's also what we love to do anyway. So we finally get to talk some football again, fellas. This is the first time in a while that spring practice snuck up on us, I think. I think in years past, we were counting down the days until the first day they would show up and do any sort of drills and hear about how that went. And today I was like, oh my gosh, today's the day. Yeah, I know that we kind of made a covenant that we wouldn't just be dissecting, uh, you know, videos of the receiving group all through the spring. And we did break that promise the next episode but since then we've been really good and we have uh jeff capel to thank for that but um as much as i really enjoyed like genuinely loved this basketball season th this is this is where i belong football and overthinking football months before anything you know like pertinent happens yeah, we got the spring game coming up in a couple weeks, so we get to re-watch that film a hundred times before the season and decide who is good and who isn't in a completely meaningless exhibition game. But uh, before we talk spring camp and recruiting, uh, some of our older Panthers, some former Panthers at this point, participated in Pro Day last week and put up some pretty gaudy numbers before the draft, the upcoming NFL draft. So just let's run through some of the performances put up by these guys. And I think the one everyone was waiting for, and he did not disappoint was Izzy Abanacanda. He posted a four, three, eight, 40 yard dash, depending on who you ask. Uh, those times are very unofficial. Yeah. I got those numbers. Um, I, I think some people talked to some scouts and, and just kind of saw what like the Steelers and the Eagles mostly uh, gave him, but we saw anything from like a, four two six to like a four four flat which kind of says a lot about pro days you can kind of get away with some number fudging can't you i think this comes down to each team on their stopwatch so if one team has a bad draw they're like oh shoot we gotta rely on who will tell me what they got yeah there were multiple scouts coming back in the four two six four two nine range there were people up in the four four range either way it was really freaking fast uh where, wherever you want to put that for a guy who's 217 pounds and he, he also posted a 41 inch vertical not not too shabby either yeah a 426 would i think be like the third or fourth fastest 40 time uh ever so not not bad yeah not bad at all um i, I think he didn't get the run at the combine which was disappointing for everyone uh, I, we wanted to see what that number was going to be. And you do like to know what the combine number is because the, the electronic timing, like it's, you can't really argue it. There's no mm -hmm. disagreements to be had there, but 
I, I think just looking at Izzy, it was he went with the Jason Pinnock strategy of just walking around in your underwear shirtless just to show off your chiseled physique. And uh, Pinnock did himself quite a bit of favors on his pro day, putting up crazy numbers as well. And uh, as we see, I mean, he's he's been in the league for a few years now. Izzy definitely made himself some money at, at pro day. I think everyone, I mean, Pitt fans knew what kind of numbers he could put up, and we knew he was a freak. But I, I think he really opened up some eyeballs with with just how he ran, and people probably just looking at him like looking at this dude's traps busting out of his body. Yeah, I got some uh, some buddies that are comma comma not Pittsburghers. Uh, who, you know, root for various other NFL teams. And I've had quite a few people ask me like what his deal is because they're hoping their team can add on to their running back room. And they they like the uh, the Greek god that runs a 4-3 and like is impossible to tackle. I think it's the coolest thing. Right now, we really don't know where he's going to go, what range. I don't know how high he boosted his stock or where he was before. I guess that will come out. A little bit later, once the scouts get to analyze all of the pro days and film. But I think no matter where Izzy goes, most of the fan base won't know much about him, if anything about him. But they'll be so pumped when they see his highlights, his breakaway speed, and his uh, like combine stats. He's the most athletic running back. He rushed for six touchdowns in a game against a power five school and 300 yards. I'd be like blown away if the Steelers grabbed some running back. I never heard of him. I looked at his football reference page and saw all that. I'd be through the roof. Oh, he ran for 320 yards in a game in a power five game. And he broke a record held by Tony Dorsett. Yeah. All right. We'll take him. I think another thing that NFL teams are going to like is, Outside of last season, is he doesn't really have a ton of mileage on him, and we he's twenty, we we as Pittman, yeah, he's twenty years old. He just he turned twenty. Can't legally drink yet. Uh, he didn't get a huge workload his first two seasons. We as Pitt fans wish he would have got a larger workload, but it, it'll mm. probably pay off for him come draft day. But yeah, I think Izzy's in a really good spot to be one of the first running backs taken. I mean, just with the numbers he put up at pro day. And they're going to watch some of the film and see see what he did. I, I think a team can talk themselves into taking him a little too early. And and when I say too early, like this is no nothing against Izzy, but I'm of the opinion that in the NFL, running backs are such a dime a dozen that like taking him before the fourth round really doesn't make much sense. But I think a team can talk themselves into taking Izzy in the second or third round. Um, I don't think third would be too much of a stretch, but. Second, I mean, I just think that's probably a little too early for any running back. But we'll see how that goes. Um, definitely looking forward to seeing him on Sundays. Just going to be another another in the line of great Pitt running backs. It's, it's one of the things Pitt does so well is put out running backs. Um, another mm-hmm. guy who, who showed up and showed out on Pro Day was our guy Servassier Dennis. Uh, 4'6", 3'40", 41-inch vertical. I don't know if Pitt was having their guys jump off a trampoline, a hidden trampoline at Pro Day because everyone was putting up wild vertical numbers. But uh, Voss is another guy who who I think helped himself out a bit. Yeah, uh, both of those numbers that you referenced uh, would have been the best for inside linebackers at the Combine. So um, I feel like before we, we talk too much about, you know, I think we have a couple other guys we want to talk about. We got to give props to Coach Stack 
the strength yep. and conditioning coach. Um, I don't know what they're feeding these boys, what they're having them do, but HGH. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, I like all these pit guys all of a sudden having like SEC speed and the verticals of NBA prospects. Uh, pretty cool. Um, Dues and, and Heather should probably do what they can to keep stack around as long as possible because we're starting to, we're getting into freak territory, Pitt is. And that's what Savasia Dennis needed. I'm sure there was plenty of questions about where he'll play on a defense because of the size. If you don't have the size, you have to be freakishly athletic or else you'll be Devin Bush and nobody wants Devin Bush. So that was an amazing day for Savasia Dennis. I hope he gets picked i think he definitely landed himself in the draft with that pro day like i i think you know izzy probably helped his draft stock the most of anyone but in terms of like the most impactful leap you know izzy might be going from a sixth rounder to a fourth rounder which is huge but i i think servasia just went from an undrafted free agent to a, a guy someone's gonna try to grab in the sixth or seventh round and that that feels symbolically like a massive leap. Yeah, for sure. Uh, definitely hope. I mean, Voss will end up on a roster somewhere. So that guy will play in the NFL. He's too good of a football player. I want him here. Oh, I'd, I'd love to see him in the black and gold. But yeah, the, getting yourself bumped up a couple rounds, uh, getting that, getting maybe uh, a guaranteed spot on a roster. Now, sometimes there's debate, is, is it better to go undrafted instead of going like in a seventh, sixth, seventh round spot? Maybe pick your spot where you land. But I think everyone wants to hear their name called. So uh, another guy that we were hoping could boost his stock and maybe didn't have the best day. Um, our guy, hero soldier, Jared Wayne. I don't want to say he didn't have the best day, but I think we were all hoping his 40 time would be a little better. It came back around a four seven uh, high four sixes, four seven. He did have a 41 inch vertical. I hope a team is going to open up Jared Wayne's film, watch his film and see just the production that he's had. Some of the catches he's had contested catches, uh, the consistency he's had as, as a blocking wide receiver, as a shorthanded guy and doesn't judge him based on a, a 40 yard sprint that it does not really, does not really symbolize what, what happens on a football field. I think nowadays, teams are pretty reasonable about the 40 yard dashes and it really doesn't make much of a difference unless you're like absurdly fast or absurdly slow on one end of the spectrum. If you're somewhere in the middle, they probably see it and move on and check the film. I don't think any of us thought Jared Wayne isn't fast enough watching him play at Pitt for all of these years. And uh, I think the film speaks for itself. I mean, he's a good yak guy. We've seen Jared Wayne take the ball and stiff arm a defender, make a guy miss with a very unorthodox juke move and and pick up an extra 20 yards. Jared Wayne is by no means like there's no issue once he gets the ball in his hands. I, I don't know. I'm I'm kind of worried. Four seven is. Listen, I, I know he's kind of like he's our dude and he's a consummate pit guy, but four seven's like pretty bad for a receiver i'm i'm worried because i i agree his tape's phenomenal but i i kind of think it's bad enough that i'm now wondering if he made a mistake by not coming back for a year 
come back for a year, you know, work on your speed a little bit. And I think that number, that high four, six number matters a lot less. If you string together 2000 yard seasons where you're a primary receiver and you look insane. Also, we could have really used him like, like a lot, like really a lot. As a pit fan. Yes. I would love him back, but is it worth coming back? You're a year older. If you do the same thing again, they're, they'll say you're old, you've reached your ceiling, and you might run like 0.04 seconds faster. And I don't think that's enough to change you from undrafted to drafted. I was going to say, I don't think at this point, well, he's 23 years old, Jared Wayne. I, I don't know how much shaving there is to do off of that 40 time. I, I get maybe coming back for another productive season, but... I mean, I think he was an undrafted guy before pro day, and he's probably going to be an undrafted day guy on on the draft day when it comes to day three. But I don't know. Maybe someone takes a flyer on him, but I do think he's going to get into a camp and impress, and I, I really hope he can make an NFL roster. If not, he's a shoo-in for the CFL, and he can go back to the homeland and, and be a first ballot Hall be of Fame CFL yeah. guy. Yeah, be, be a real national hero. Yeah, it's so. be the Larry Fitzgerald of the CFL. Hey, uh, I would be tuning into Edmonton Eskimo games if Jared Wayne was lining up. I'd make the trip up to Saskatchewan a few times for Jared Wayne. I don't know what day of the week they play, but I'm sure we can make it work. I'd be down. Go see like one of the Rourke brothers pe- play. Uh, did you know that Cana- in Canadian football, um, you can't catch the ball off of a bounce and that Americans basically made that up? Nobody I don't to fact check it. Yeah, I don't really know anything about the CFL other than I see them take like a running start before the snap. And the goal are at the goal line. Yeah, their fields are set or, up really weird. I made friends with yeah. a guy at the gym who coached Canadian high school football. And I asked him like if they strategically work in like bouncing the ball to a receiver. And he looked at me like I had three eyes. And I was like, Literally, the only thing Americans know about Canadian football is that you can catch the ball off a bounce. And when we grew up playing on the blacktops, if a ball bounced, you would yell Canadian and try to run with it. And he was like, no, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. So. So, yeah, maybe we can go what catch a Jared Wayne game and learn a, literally anything about Canadian football. So they do only have three downs. There's mm-hmm. not four downs. There's three downs. I think the field, what, the field's a little bigger and wider? Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, I'm not really. We can worry about this later. Jared Wayne will play in the NFL. We don't, we don't have to come up with these hypothetical scenarios. Um, any other guys on Pro Day? I mean, those were the main ones we want to talk about. Deslin Alexander, I think, had a solid showing. Uh, John Patrician mm-hmm. showed up. He just, just was there working out, running. I don't know. I, I that's one of my favorite things about pro days now is like there's not really any roles like I guess Narduzzi can tell whoever wants to come they can come work out uh, Cam Newton was throwing down at Auburn's pro day so hmm. it's, a, it's a nice little uh, nice little nugget they throw out. oh Nate Yarnell was the quarterback for Jared Wayne and Izzy Abanacanda in their field drills all right general so the sheriff the sheriff the oh, sheriff is on everyone's uh, I promoted uh, him a yeah. bunch of <laughs> a bunch of NFL scouts radars now. They're they're like, who's this tall, tall, lanky kid from Pitt who plays the piano? Um, 
So, but yeah, all in all, a pretty successful pro day for Pitt. And I, I love the pro day because it's just basically a production to hype up the program. Like it's, they have Pat Bostic on there being an ambassador for the program and everything Narduzzi's done. The ACC network does everything in their power to kind of hype up whatever team they're covering. So pro days are asleep, slept on like sneaky fun event in the oh, middle yeah. of the spring to give you your, your football fix at like 11 a.m. on a Tuesday. Yeah, I think not only did, uh, you know, a couple guys really help their draft stock. I think Pitt helped its national profile a lot, at least, um, you know, among scouts, because not everyone in the country is going to tune into Pitt's pro day at like noon on a Thursday on the ACC network. But scouts are watching this and they're like, oh, all of a sudden, everyone that comes out of the University of Pittsburgh runs a 4-4 and can jump 40 inches into the air and they're all like really strong and they're freaks. There's something, something happened in Oakland, Pennsylvania. A big reason is Kalaja Kansi. A lot of scouts came to see this Kalaja Kansi guy one more time. Uh, he already had the best 40 for D tackles. His three cone drill was like scary. Good. I don't understand how any human being, let alone a guy that weighs almost 300 pounds does that. It was, I, I hate to say it, it was Aaron Donald-esque. I've never seen a big man do anything like that aside from Aaron Donald. Can we can we stop that? Please, like, I'm I'm not, I, I don't mean to single you Am out, I Squid. Am I wrong? No, 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 you're not wrong, but it's like, I can't imagine a, a way to put more pressure on a young athlete than be like, Oh, the, the the greatest non-quarterback of all time. You remind us of him. So we're we're just gonna make your name synonymous and we're gonna compare you constantly. I'm I'm sure nothing I mean Aaron Donald just does shit that nobody has ever done before at that position and might never do again. And I'm just scared that Kansi's just gonna be turning up like consistent ten sack seasons and it's just gonna be like, ah oh, well, it's no Aaron Donald. Yeah, it's it's lofty shoes to fill, but if it can help his draft stock between now and then, it can make Kalaja a little bit of extra money. Uh, I'll ride with the eight Aaron Donald comparisons, and then once yeah. his career starts, it's like all right, let's pump the brakes, let the let him find his way. But it should be cool. It should be cool to see. More than likely, Cansey's name is going to be get called on day one in that first mm. round, and uh, that's always that's always fun when a pick guy goes on that first night. So trivia yeah, question. No, do you guys know the last time Pitt had back-to-back first-round picks? I actually know the answer to this, so Dylan, I'll let you guess. I saw a tweet with the answer, and I don't really remember. Was it in the 80s? 90s? Eight, uh, it was like 07 and 08, right? I don't know. Squid, go for it. You forget, don't you? I was genuinely just asking. I didn't actually oh, see the tweet. <laughs> I think it was like 07 and 08. We had that tackle go to Carolina. Jeff, like, Ota, o- Ota or something. And the year before, it was either... Was it Revis? I think it was Revis. John Baldwin? Yeah. It was either Baldwin or, or Revis. Yeah, Baldwin was like 10. And another... I don't know if this is a fun fact, but uh, this means that three players from that ACC championship team are likely to be first rounders. So Revis was 07. Ota would be 08. 
wait, yep. Look at us. Uh, if you scroll down a couple, it says the nine worst NFL draft picks for the Carolina Panthers. <laughs> we'll skip that part. We're going to edit that part out. Great okay. 07. 07, Revis, 08, 02. Okay. I, I thought it was longer than that. Anyway, back-to-back pit players. Like you said, David, probably three players from that ACC championship team going in the first round. Jordan Addison, had, did he run himself out of the first round with that with the slow 40 at the combine? I don't think so. Can we claim him if he goes in the first round? I have and a lot I of think, feelings. I There's think no way to... he, that he would say Pitt on a Sunday night football broadcast. And if he doesn't say it, I don't know if we can claim him. Uh, I mean, James Conner says like Erie McDowell sometimes, and people get upset about it. I read, half the guys don't even say their colleges anymore. But if he says USC and not Pitt... He then. also did drop an H2P at the Combine during his interviews. He got drafted off of what he did at Pitt, not off of what he did at USC. I'm claiming him. If it's he's going to him. If not, I'll say USC ruined him. I bitch a lot about Ohio State claiming Joe Burrow, so it would be a little bit hypocritical, a little bit. There's huge differences. I was uh, going to say. Addison's best season was at Pitt. I don't know. I think it's a gray area. Like NC State kind of claims Russell Wilson a little bit, right? Probably. I mean, here, here's yeah. the thing. With, with the transfer portal now, there's going to be more and more situations like this. So there will become more of a standard, I think. I think the standard right now is the last school you played for. Because for so long, it's like if you transferred, you probably had your best years. But there's going to be more and more guys who have big years at smaller schools. And I mean, if you play... He played at Pitt for two years. If you play at a school for three years, then go to a big school for an NIL payday for one year. Ohio State, Clemson, USC, they don't get to just claim everyone because they pick them up for a year. I'm putting my foot down, but I think there will be more of a standard developed around this. We have plenty of time to get mad uh, about what happens in the draft and what they say about our our guys we're so proud of. But uh, I think that's enough on Pro Day for now. Let's Let's take a step forward to the guys who are actually going to be in Pitt's locker room next year? It's not much of a secret that I have a home field apparel problem. Even before we started this show, I couldn't even step foot on a new college campus without making sure there was something from that school's home field collection waiting on my porch when I got home. So we are, understandably, over the moon to partner with home field this season to keep Pitt fans comfy cozy and stylish at a fraction of the price by using promo code LOYALSONS for 15% off your next order. This discount applies site-wide and with unique vintage collections for every school from Pitt to Bama, Jackson State to Colgate, Michigan, Marshall, Marquette, and both Miamis, there's something for every fan. So whether you're buying for a Pitt fan or for a loser freak, Use promo code LOYALSONS at homefieldapparel.com to save big on your next order. Each code applies once per email address, so get those work emails and burners ready. That's homefieldapparel.com. Let's talk a little bit about spring camp. We've got the spring game coming up on April 15th. Like we said at the beginning, this is always a fun time of year to try to get any bit of information out of the little bit of 
hype videos that the, the team's account puts out on Twitter, Instagram, uh, the little bit of notes we get from the limited time that the reporters get in there. Uh, they basically get to watch the quarterbacks throw on air for 10 minutes, and we have to surmise what what this team is going to do in the following season. So, fellas, anything specific we're hearing uh, early on in, in the spring camp? Nothing at all. Okay. That, that, <laughs> I that's was... what I assumed we were going to go with. Um, how about the quarterbacks? I, I think that's that that's always a good place well, to start. Well, hold on. I so well actually this is this is now related. I just figured that uh Squid was like hiding in the rafters at practices and would would drop an egg of knowledge on our heads. No, I've I've been hearing really good things about a couple guys. Um Veyer. Veyo. We still haven't figured it out cuz apparently his dad said I have no idea where the R came from. It's Veyo. Anyway, uh apparently he's just like a like a freak insane arm insane athlete um before we move on from him early on i i go back and forth because i do listen to what narduzzi says in all of his interviews and i usually listen to it if he hypes a guy up a lot i'll be like this guy's probably really good he's not just blowing smoke if he's hyping up this much but also, I don't think Narduzzi cares or is media savvy at all. So he just kind of says stuff and doesn't even realize what he means half the time. So there was one day recently where he was talking about the quarterback battle and followed it up. It was on the ACC network. He goes, but yeah, Phil looks really good and like we feel really good about him, blah, blah, blah. And that was the most like decisive thing I've heard said about the quarterback battle. So I feel like Phil's in the driver's seat still. Yeah. There was a very early on... Christian VO like hype strain like rolling through town. And I I am on that hype train. I'm I'm going to be 100 percent candid here. I don't know if I'm sold on Dracovic yet. Um I will I, I'm not gonna complain or anything. I'm not gonna say I think he's he's bad or like I have reason to think he's bad. Just I, I felt burnt by Slovis, a guy who had declined a couple years in a row. And so I'm not gonna get my hopes up that we brought in another guy that's declined a couple years in a row. Like I, I my hopes are so high. You're sold on the, you're sold on the guy who couldn't beat out Sean Clifford for a starting job at Penn state. And no one brought up experiences against Rutgers. No, uh, I just, I, I think he's a little bit more of an unknown and I think that's a little bit exciting. So when I hear, Oh, he's actually a, I was going to get more into this in my final thoughts, um, but I don't exactly trust uh, James Franklin's decision-making when it comes to selecting a quarterback. Uh, so if you combine that with the fact that there's a bit of an unknown and it sounds like he's looked really good thus far, he piques my interest a whole hell of a lot more than Jerkovic does. And snake bit from Slovis. I'm, but I, I did, I did hear that. Uh, and, by I heard, and I think it's like a very open secret in the pit world. Uh, apparently, Jerkovic just looked unbelievable in the first scrimmage. Yeah. yeah, I think that's what it is. Early on, there was one day after practice where Frank Signetti was like salivating over talking about how Vieira looks throwing the ball. He's like, oh, he throws such a pretty ball. Oh, yeah, he's, he's a natural. Oh, he's a good athlete. And I'm like, easy. 
calm down, Frank. But I, I think what matters most is what happens when you're throwing against the defense and not in these position drills. And now they're getting into that a little bit more. Maybe it's more back on the fill train. Pitt, Pitt's quarterback situation is like the plot of a football movie, like a bad football movie. Like the senior transfer comes back to his hometown for one last run. He's been beat up. He hasn't had a great career. Comes back for one last run. But like there would just be the the evil like antagonist in the story like the canadian kid who transfers from the school's bitter the rival. handsome frenchman <laughs> yeah handsome... his dad owns like a mansion in the nicest part of town yeah and and he transfers from the school's big rival across state isn't this the he's... plot of talladega nights this is the plot to like about a dozen sports movies. i would say friday night TV's... lights the yeah TV friday show. night lights like the and and so I'm going to root for Phil. I'm going to root for the protagonist here, the hometown kid. Hope for uh, happily ever after. I was actually playing with chat GPT the other day, the AI thing, which is very bizarre and something you probably never thought would come up on the Loyal Sun show. But I was asking it to tell me about Phil Dracovic leading Pitt to an ACC title. And uh, it gave me a very detailed uh, summary and I could just feel like I was there. Um. If we're can we, can, if we're going to talk about ChatGBT and um, put the cards on the table as far as our our weird fan fiction fantasies, um, this week I made ChatGBT give me a hypothetical conversation between Kenny Pickett and Freddie Mercury. <laughs> they have a lot more in common than you guys would think. They're both performers at the highest level. Did it come back about how you expected? Uh, in that it. Made me feel super warm inside. Yeah. Yeah, it did. Gotcha. Yeah. Back to spring ball. Yeah, so who else uh, do we like? <laughs> Back to spring ball here. Uh, so what I, I'm, I'm looking through, and I think quarterback is obviously, and deservedly so, will be a huge topic, but I do think it probably is a foregone conclusion that Dracovic will be the starter. Um, but I, I know David has some feelings like, just hope the coaches don't blindly just pick a guy in the spring and, and ride with him. Um, yeah, you just but, spared everybody uh, the two-minute rant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I knew it was coming, so Thank I you. just got it out the way. Uh, but some of the other – I mean, Pitt lost a lot of production from last year's team. Uh, I think it's kind of slept on because we do have a lot of familiar faces coming back and, like, the quarterbacks will get a lot of attention. But we lost an All-American running back. We lost our number one wide receiver – we lost multiple guys on the defensive line who are going to get drafted or play on Sundays next year. So what, what position group in particular are you guys looking at and really hoping to maybe get some good news about this spring? I would love to hear about a receiver other than Bub Means and Kamate Montfield that isn't a walk-on. I don't know who's going to be the third guy. By all accounts, Bob Means has stepped up and he had a sick one-handed catch in that one 30-second video that they put out. Uh, he seems to be like a vocal leader, according to the coaches. He's filling in the shoes of Jared Wayne the best he can. Montfield's probably going to look a lot better. Signetti uh, said that those guys are already doing better because they know the offense. They're so much more ahead than they were at this point last year as incoming transfers. So hopefully that helps. But 
we need more than two receivers, and I have no clue who is in that third spot right now. Yeah, it's yeah. a little. I don't worry about the defense. Narduzzi's defense will be probably fine, unless there's a lot of disappointments. We're gonna need some help uh, scoring the football. I think the receivers are definitely a little worrisome, considering. Like you said, I can't even name who our third receiver is right now. Like, I don't think there is a. I think that's going to be like an open battle. Deshaun Reynolds, probably. Okay. Yeah. That's probably who it's going to be. Um, I haven't heard his name once all camp. I heard that, uh, oh, the walk on Jake, Jake McConaughey. McConaughey. Yeah. And fun fact about him, he won the uh, slam dunk contest at like the, the fan f- or the pep rally a couple years ago. I'm pretty sure he's just kind of a freaky athlete as a walk on. But and that's high praise because apparently Squid. everybody on this team has a 40 inch vertical. Right. But Squid, like you said, uh, would like to hear some things about some guys we've used some scholarships on. Yeah, we've had a handful of receivers who came into the program uh, within the last year or two. They haven't cracked the starting rotation yet because we had Jordan Addison, Jared Wayne and a handful of others ahead of them. But now that they're gone, who's going to be the guy? I was hoping somebody would be ready and separate themselves. Yeah, I mean, Pitt is still looking to add a transfer. I saw they offered a kid from Cal U, which isn't super encouraging that they're looking to fill that spot with a D2 guy, but I've also seen him. He has several Power 5 offers, which is pretty cool. He's a kid from uh, Sarah Catholic, so he'd be a whippy old guy. He had almost he had 77 catches for 11, 78, and 13 touchdowns last year at Cal U. I mean, super productive at the D2 level. Never know how that will translate, but you know, if he's a guy who can come here and catch even... 30 passes next season. I, I think it's worth taking a flyer on because we don't know about much about these receivers right now. But elsewhere, I mean, defensively, we, I think we've all discussed, we want to see Nakai Johnson, Deion mm-hmm. Hayes step up. Uh, Sam Okunlola is, is Sean Fitzsimmons. Sean Fitzsimmons. So there's going to be some new blood on that defensive line. And then the, the mix of the older guys with Devin Danielson, David Green still sticking around. Um, so it'll be interesting to see there. Uh, but yeah, I, I think outside of that, I mean, I, I'm excited to see what what we hear about Donovan McMillan filling at the safety spot. The McMillan and McIntyre defensive backfield should be a fun one to keep an eye on. Um, it just kind of sucks when you're waiting through spring ball and it comes to the spring game. And it's like, Oh, like 25% of these guys aren't playing. Cause they got a little nicked up and in, in spring ball. So could be a while before we, we get to see any of these guys play any real football. Yeah. So I think you guys have pretty much covered the two position groups that reasonably make uh pit fans a little bit stressed out going into the season. I would say quarterbacks like that is the one I'm really keen on. And we just did all that talking about quarterbacks. So I'm bringing it up again, just to say that I saw a video of Ty Diefenbach throwing a 60 yarder drop in a bucket, just the flick of a wrist. And that got me excited because I don't, I don't think, I think the, the hopes for him were a little bit, he was a two star. He was committed to UNLV. If he ended up being awesome, that's great if he's not back to the portal. Uh, but I think a couple indications have been that he's just like a really good athlete with a sweet arm, which seems to be, we just have a bunch of guys who are athletes that can throw a ball 70 yards. That seems like 
a good direction to go. That's all it takes. He had drafted the first round. I was going to say that that video was like exactly what I've seen come out of Anthony Richardson and Will Levis's pro days, which is like 60 yard throws on air. So I'm glad to know Diefenbach is is on par with Will Levis already. Better, actually, but not a weird freak. But again, final thoughts. Stops. Please stop stealing my thing. 10-4. Okay, well. We'll we'll get a little deeper into spring ball stuff, especially as the spring game approaches. Um, but outside of that, Pitts had a pretty active month on the recruiting trail. And moving on to recruiting, we had six commits in the month of March. That brings us to what is that? Eight or nine total? Ten. In the, ten, ten in the total class of. There were some sneaky news uh, signals. Pat yeah. signals. I don't like on news signals. Not not typical that we get to try to decipher what his emojis mean in the month of March, but it is a bit of a pivot in terms of strategy. You know, typically it's June when they get all the guys on campus for the official visits. That's when we see the flood of pat signals come in, the flood of commitments. But it looks like that timeline's been bumped up a few months th- this year uh, for the 2024 class. What do you think that is? I mean, I, I feel like there's kind of an objective answer to that, but I. I want to see what what you guys think about it i think it's i I think there's a a few different things that you can point to but probably just getting these guys early and then just anticipating uh some of these guys getting scooped up later in the in the process i don't know i i think we we saw last year how many guys were pursued by sec schools after they committed the pit so you you're more of the train of thought that this is a pit thing more than like a recruiting as a whole thing. Um, I think I know where you're going with this. Kids are trying mm-hmm. to commit earlier to have spots because they're there's less high school recruiting with the transfer portal stuff. Correct. Yeah, I, th- I think that's probably a mixture of it too. I think Pitt is probably telling these kids like, hey. We don't have spots to hold for you. I, I think it's probably a little bit of both, all all because of the same thing. You know, we're gonna go after the portal later, and we honestly don't know if we're gonna take fifteen high school kids, if we're gonna take twenty, if we're gonna take ten. So you might as well commit now. Um, yeah, I, I think college football is changing, and I'm glad to see Pitts kind of adjusting their strategy to yeah to adjust with that. Yeah, I'll be the dark cloud negative guy, which I hate to be. I am excited about a handful of these guys, but Pitt also just has a lot more commits than most of the teams in the country. Alabama has four people committed. Are you, are you referring five? Are you referring to, to why we're uh, ranked so high in all the recruiting services? Yes. We didn't even get to gloat about that before you shat all over it. We are not turning into a recruiting ranking state. All right. Well, yeah, because it didn't used to benefit us back when we made fun of Penn State for it, but now, now we're number we're we're eight on rivals, we're nine on two forty seven, and we're twenty five on on three. But those first two are way cooler. That's a yeah. single digit. Maybe their strategy is just get high in these recruiting class rankings early in the cycle, and then they can just show recruits and hope the recruits don't do any research and be like, "Hey, we're the we're top ten class right now. If you want to commit, like." be part of this class okay yeah scrub that part out that i just said nobody can know that just everyone's on the even playing field and pits better 
Exactly. Sure. No, I, I kind of love the new strategy because as much as it gives, you know, in past years, we've had something to look forward to in June where we would just sit by our phones on like Friday night and Saturday morning and wait for the, you know, turn on the notifications for Narduzzi's tweets and let them roll in. I like this. I imagine college coaches are getting really annoyed of these recruits who are firing off three, please respect my decision tweets, you know, per recruiting cycle. Like, and we saw last time Pitt kind of got left in the lurch because in the, in the scramble before signing day, a couple of our guys got poached. So, you know, telling these kids, Hey, we're, we are happy to go to the transfer portal and find proven commodities. If you guys are going to make recruiting the dog and pony show that it's becoming of just grubbing for NIL money and, you know, changing your mind four times in the process. I think of a guy like Donovan McMillan. He was like one of those guys who really seemed to love the recruiting process, loved tweeting out the the pictures from the visits, loved, you know, all the fans. Hey, fans, give me some love, like whatever it was. Here's my top 14. Yeah, here's my top. Exactly. Who? Here's my top 12. Here's my top 15 interest and offers. And then he gets to the portal and it's like, no, he knows what he wants to do. He knows he wants to come home. He knows he wants to play in a defensive system that fits him. He seeks that out. He finds the coaches. They get it done. It's not some big drawn out process. I'm sure a lot of, like you said, David, some of these coaches are like, yeah, I'm just going to deal with the kids, the college kids who are now a little more mature and have played college football. And we have a better idea of what they'll actually be as opposed to chasing down these 17 year olds and hoping they'll give us a commitment and hoping that they'll stay committed to us for 12 months uh, after the fact. So it's like, yeah, commit now if you want to be a part of it. If not, we, we, we've got some other yeah. fish to fry here. And, and the, un, the unspoken of it um, that we've been dancing around, but I haven't said out loud exactly the transfer portal is going to pick up real heavily again here after everybody stops spring ball. And it's going to offer Pitt the ability to go after probably another receiver, you know, maybe a, I don't know what our next position of need is. Receiver is just such a big one. And, you know, they're probably telling these kids like, Hey, we're looking at your position pretty heavily this upcoming cycle. So uh, do you, do you want to, play for pit or not yeah for sure and i recruiting is just a ever-evolving game uh with how social media has changed it and with how the transfer portal has changed it um but it's encouraging to see pit getting early recruits nonetheless getting guys who they seem to want um anytime i see a defensive lineman commit i'm just like yeah that kid will be good charlie partridge gave him the seal of approval he don't be good yeah you yeah. don't miss uh we got a couple O-line recruits. I mean, so I don't – I'm not getting overly excited about any of the kids who are on on the hook, and I am going to try not to get too disappointed when I see two or three of these kids decommit because that's just part of it and how it is at this point. Um, so I don't know. Do, do, we have, do we have any other final thoughts on the recruiting stuff? Uh, yeah, I, I was just going to say I kind of – I don't know if they did this on purpose, but it kind of looks like there's been some sort of geographical approach to the early 
commits. They've they've clearly been prioritizing Pennsylvania kids. They've also got a couple Ohio kids. Six total. Six of the ten are from Pennsylvania or Ohio. We only have two thus far from Florida, which is usually like we do great in Florida. Chuck Partridge is a killer. And uh and so we only have two from there so far. Um and and so I imagine Chuck Partridge is Chuck Partridge. We're gonna get some some real talent out of Florida, but that they were able to, you know, kind of stack up some of the local kids and dominate the state, so to speak, early on, so that you know we didn't lose out on any of those kids because we were prioritized elsewhere. Also, we got our first recruit from Nebraska in like quite a while. I don't know if that means anything, but it's different. And yeah, it's, it's a like six, a seven tight end. It's kind of it's kind of weird seeing like there is a bit of a shift here with is it just these are the kids they're getting to commit or is there more of a focus on recruiting a little closer to home? I don't know what it is, but definitely interesting and see if it's a trend that continues moving forward. I think the class is only going to get better from here. Start landing a couple Florida kids, make Quentin Martin a offer he can't refuse. Get them here. Get it done. Bickle, dues, whatever it takes. Get them here. Um, yeah, I I think the 2024 class is shaping up great. And Finally got that bump we've been waiting on. We will most certainly complain about it at some point and get way too upset about 17-year-olds' decisions. And that's the beauty of being a college football fan. Well, fellas, I think we're just about all caught up on football our little hiatus of talking football is over. Hmm. It, it feels good. It does feel good. It's so far away, but you can almost taste it. Uh, we're going to be talking some baseball this year. I think that, that might be where David puts his foot down. I'll talk about whatever we're good at, man. Nino, Nino winning a natty. Have we mentioned that? Have we, we had to. I really hope we didn't just completely skip over oh that. Oh my god, if we did, that's really bad. Well, Nino did win a natty for Pitt. Nino won a natty, yeah. Is that your yeah. final thought? 197 wrestler. No, that's not my final thought. That's so disrespectful that we've... You know what? Get him on the horn. Let's get him on the show. Yeah, yeah. Um, him, or, him or get Coach Drew back, and we're going we're gonna to give wrestling its proper due. Absolutely. Um, no, let's, we'll close it out with our final thoughts here. I'll get us started. Um, we're recording this Sunday night, so the national championship for the women's side of things in basketball just wrapped up. And Caitlin Clark has put women's basketball on the map. They couldn't get the victory last or tonight. Uh, shout out to LSU, man. Angel Reese. Uh Coach Kim Mulkey getting getting the title. Uh, I watched their last three games. So I watched Iowa and LSU since the Elite Eight. And uh, it it was actually a spectacle watching Caitlin Clark these last three games. Like, I don't know who else I would put in this category. I mean, I was I was all in the Paige Beckers train a couple years ago. She she had an injury and hasn't played for UConn in I think like 18 months. But Caitlin Clark is She's like Steph Curry-esque and is must-watch television. And she still has at least one more year at Iowa and 
potentially two. I'd have to imagine she can make as much money in NIL deals as she will in, in a few years in the WNBA. So she might stick around, but um, shout out to Caitlin Clark, man. She was must watch television and the most exciting player I've watched in March and April men's or women's. Yeah, she's nice. I, I hand up. This was probably the first time I've ever tuned into more than like a, a quarter or a half of, of, uh, of a women's college basketball game. And if you, if you just make ball go and hoop, I will watch. And she is electric. And, and there was some elite level shithousery in that game, which also makes it a lot more fun. And I'm, I'm, I'd be happy to see it, you know, continue to grow. Although, you know, you're all, all of you listening to this are going to be tired of the uh, Angel Reese sportsmanship takes on Twitter for the next however many days that is allowed to parade on. Yeah, I was just kind of thinking of the Michael Jordan clip from Last Dance. Like a lot of people can talk talk stuff when they're up. It takes a real man, or in this case, a real woman, to talk when it's tied up. But uh, I mean. You won your national championship. Talk your stuff. I'm already, I'm already over it. I'm, I'm ready for the rematch next year. It'll, it'll be a great rivalry. It'll be a great storyline. Come, come next women's basketball season. Uh, so my final thought. Um, I've alluded to it twice now, but we finally made it without anyone stealing it from me. Um, Will Levis. Terrible. At- Okay, you answered my question before I could even ask it. I want to know, as Pitt fans, should we be rooting for him to be good or against him to succeed? Because I think there's very valid points on both sides of this argument. He went to Penn State, and that automatically makes you an irredeemable piece of shit unless you're Christian Vieira. So, like, I, I typically wouldn't root for those guys in the NFL unless they play on the Steelers, and even in that circumstance, they are in a very short leash. Um, But also, like, <laughs> this guy's going to be a, a top 10 pick, and James Franklin let him rot on the bench and let him transfer. Not in- true. He used him in the Wildcat. He would come in, like, Six times a game and run a QB power for James Franklin. James Franklin used him as a running back in favor of a guy that is going to be an accountant in six months. Yeah, my thing is like Will Levis went to Kentucky and it's like if he would have went to Kentucky and just was sick there and they won a bunch, it would have been like, oh, James Franklin looks like an idiot. But he went to Kentucky and they just weren't all that good and he wasn't all that impressive. And now he's just going to be one of those guys who gets drafted really high because of his measurables. Like whatever he does in the NFL, it's not really going to be like, oh, imagine if he would have been at Penn State. It's like we watched him in college. He wasn't any good. So now I'm I'm fully against Will Levis. Uh also, because I want to see how this quarterback class shakes out, because I remember people around this time last year saying that the Steelers should wait on a quarterback because the 2023 quarterback class is loaded. And now we're just watching guys like Anthony Richardson and Will Levis. And it's just like none of these guys are any good either. So I, I want to be vindicated by the fact that uh, the Steelers took Kenny Pickett and all the people who who were saying in like week three, like, Sealer should have held out, waited for Bryce Young or CJ Stroud. Like, I'd really like to see 
us just continue to be right about this. I completely agree with that take, Dylan. I understand the sentiment. I actually love the sentiment of rooting against these Penn State guys, David. But what I value more is rooting against the narrative of taking the quarterback who sucked in college because his arm is big. No, I, I wait for this agree guy. I cannot agree. wait for 66-yard bombs on pro days to not get millions of retweets on Twitter. Will Levis threw for nine touchdowns and eight interceptions in SEC play. He is inaccurate. He is a he's a freak. Who, <laughs> yeah, he puts mayo in his coffee and he eats banana peels. I get it. Well, first of all, point I'm one bad squid. He, he's not like Kenny Pickett. Like, yo, that's a freak athlete. No, this is just a freak. But you know that first of all, that trend is never going to die because it was going on for years before they actually got one right. And Josh Allen has guaranteed that absolutely mid-college quarterbacks with a strong arm and a height above 6'2 are going to get reached on just for the rest of eternity. Um, As much as I'd love to see that end, it's not going to. Uh, But Dylan, to your point, and and I think that you are absolutely 1,000% correct when when you look at all that context, but when we are shit-talking Penn Staters, I don't think we need the important context. All that matters is James Franklin picked a bad quarterback over a good quarterback and let the good quarterback walk, and history is repeating itself right now with Drew Alar and Christian Vier. And that's all that matters, is that we get to throw that in their face and say, imagine thinking Christian Vier is not going in the first round while Drew Alar has to try to go get his MBA somewhere. Yeah, I mean, if that scenario plays out, I can't wait. Uh, Will Levis, I'm, I won't be rooting for him. Plain, plain and simple. Final That's thought. fair. That's fair. Squid, final thought? Yeah, I'm starting the itch for pit basketball. I know it's going to be a, a minute for the portal to shake out and we see who we get. But I was down in D.C. this weekend, and I was doing what? Tell, yeah, tell the people you, what you tell were the doing, people you sicko. You freak. I ran a race. How far did you run? Ten miles. Boo! D.C. Blossom, ten miles. Cherry Blossoms look terrible. Uh, there are some, some statues and stuff. Are you happy but, you ran it? Uh, I feel pretty terrible right now, but it okay, worked out. Carry on. Are you, are you a nipple tape guy? No, I'm... My nipples are able to withstand some fabric rubbing against them for a little over an hour. Better rub that through your mind. Anyway, better better thought. (laughs) I was thinking about Pitt winning the ACC championship in D.C. next year. It's moving from Greensboro to D.C. I was walking around the town. I'm like, this is pretty cool. This is uh, my first time here. I was impressed with the the city, I think we'd have a lot of fun there, staying for a full weekend, watching Pitt win several games and hoisting the trophy. That was your first time in DC. Yeah. You go to like the National Mall? No. You do it's pretty any cool. Type, did you do any sightseeing? Uh the course is pretty scenic. We crossed some bridges. Oh my god. Yeah. You went to the nation's capital. And and instead of like going to see the Smithsonian or 
you know, taking pictures next to giant Abraham Lincoln or George Washington's penis, you ran I did 10 that. miles. I did okay. see that. It's all together. It's it's in one place. Yeah, but whenever I was done, I didn't want to walk anywhere. I just went back to the hotel and showered and we left. I'm not walking around a museum all day after doing that. I can barely stand up right now. Unbelievable. I, I just love that Squid was in D.C., like the nation's capital, all those things there, and all he could think of was, well, I can't wait to watch Pitt in the ACC tournament. <laughs> you sure are a loyal son. Yeah, we, we do owe you credit for that. You are a sick freak, but a sick freak who is a loyal son. Just not as sick or freaky as Will Levis. I think that's a great place to cut it. Uh, good talking football again, fellas. We'll have a lot more of it. Spring game in a couple weeks. Let's get ready. Let's not sleepwalk into it. We still have to tailgate. You know, the team has to be ready. They have to show up on Saturday morning, and so do we. So it'll be nice to be on the North Shore. It's a little tease, a little, but North Shore for football, I'll take it. Hey, Sunday night, Squid, go get some rest. Rest up them legs. Uh, and I'll see you guys next week. But uh, as always, hail loyal sons of Pittsburgh.